Well, if you've got that open, you already know that I'm going to talk about Romans chapter 1, verse 8. So stand up with me. Let's honor the word. We're going to read it. We're going to read it. There's more scripture in there, uh, in that outline, that I'm actually going to read this morning. So I'll give you a little more insight if you have it. So I, I highly encourage you to download that and take advantage of it. It's great stuff. So Romans chapter 1, verse 8, it says, First, I thank God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. Paul is giving thanks for the church. He's saying, I've heard your faith is being reported all over the world. It's an amazing thing. God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his son, is my witness how consistently I remember you in my prayers all the times. And I pray that now, at last, by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. He say, listen, man, I thank God for you. And uh, I miss you guys, and I want to come back. I want to come to you and, and, and see you. So if you skip down to verse 21, he begins to talk about uh, something a little different. He, he's talking about in this section how God over time has always revealed himself to people. And so starting in verse 21, he says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. And although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images that made to look like mortal human beings, birds and animals and reptiles. I'm not going to read the rest of that. But Paul describes when, when as people we refuse to recognize God and give him thanks for who he is, it causes like a downward, downward spiral of sin. And you can finish reading that and it gets bad. It just goes down and down and down and down. But at the beginning he says, because they refuse to recognize God and give him thanks for who he is, for what he's done and all those things. And so this whole month we're going to talk about because I'm thankful. My actions, that thankfulness, what, what, is that, what does that cause me to do? Because it's easy to say thank you, right? Some of you are like, I never say thanks. It's easy to say thank you. It's another thing to live like you're thankful. That's two different things. It's easy to say, come on, you have, some of you have teenagers and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Thanks, mom. And then they go out and do something crazy. You're like, well, you're not thankful. for. And so it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to live like you're thankful. And so we're going to talk about that this month. So I'm excited about it. And I hope you came excited. Amen. So, Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We pray that you change our lives with it. Pray that as we look into it, it would reveal to something that we can apply right now and change us. In Christ's name we pray, and everyone said, amen and amen. Turn a high-five somebody, tell them, what have you done for me lately? What have you done for me lately? You might want to pick someone else than your wife to say that to. Because you might get an answer. I'm excited about that. I actually got to preach this message last Wednesday night at Crossroads in Shepherdstown. And uh, uh, the pastor there is a, a really great guy, a good friend of mine. And um, uh, God is just doing something special there. They started four services this past week, the Saturday night, and then three Sunday morning services. And they had a first Wednesday night thing they do. And I got to go uh, test this sermon out. And so here's the thing, though. 
I would expect a better response from my home crowd than I did there. Amen? So the better you are, the better I'll be. And I I do want to say this, is that it depends, it does matter how you show up to church. It does matter. Because you can show up dejected and rejected and down in the dumps and all that stuff. And, and then there, there is a chance that you might get, that you might get lifted when you come here. There's a chance. But if you shut the door in your car in the parking lot and you determine in the next 50 steps into the house, you say, you know what? I'm coming into the presence of God with a bunch of other people and I'm not going to show up upset. I'm not going to show up dejected. I'm going to show up like I'm getting ready to meet God with a bunch of other people that are doing the same thing. And so I'm showing up with an expectation, not that I may become better, but that I will become better. Amen. And so what do they say? You can lead a horse to water. Yeah, but you can drown him in it, right? (laughs) And so one way or another, we're going to get you wet. (laughs) So Paul is saying, look, uh, God has been faithful to reveal himself, but all through humanity, what the issue has been is that people refuse to recognize God. And not only do they refuse to recognize God, but they refuse to thank him and live a thankful life towards him for what they, for what he's done. And so what happens is, is in light of that, people are, are inclined to make up their own gods, he says to the Roman church. And then if you continue to read, it's a downward spiral. You, you're, God turned them over to the, to basically their own devices and it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And I was scanning through the Bible trying to find examples of this and, and there are a bunch of them. A really familiar example is in Exodus chapter 32. And the children of Israel have been led out of Egypt by Moses. They have, uh, been miraculously delivered from the Egyptians. And in Exodus 32, the scene that's playing out is that Moses is up on the mountain with God. And, uh, and the Israelites get a little bit impatient, right? So Exodus 32, we'll read a little bit of that. It says, um, when the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, come, make us gods. Who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. And Aaron answered, take off the gold earrings and your, uh, that your wives and your sons and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterward, they sat down to eat, drink, and got up to indulge in revelry. And if you study that, that's worse than you think. They weren't line dancing. It was a bad scene. A really, really, it was a movie you wouldn't let your kids watch. Yeah, see, I know your kids send your kids to the bedroom when you want to watch a movie. (laughs) At the beginning of 
This, the, the history of up to Exodus 32 is that God had miraculously delivered them. He had walked them through the Red Sea on dry ground. He had destroyed the Egyptian army behind them. He had provided manna from heaven. He had provided water from a rock. And now they are in a situation where Moses has been gone. And they say, as for this guy Moses, we don't know what has happened to him. We don't know what has happened to him. And so, Aaron, we want you to make us some gods that will lead us on from here. And, and I want to present to you this morning that ungratefulness will cause you to be impatient, won't it? Ungratefulness will cause you to be impatient. And, and we do see that in young people sometimes. We see it in teenagers and kids. And, and you know, you remember when you had a five-year-old and, and you were in Walmart and you had just bought them a Nerf gun the day before. But they don't remember the Nerf gun the day before, or they don't realize how hard it is to get $50 to buy a good Nerf gun. And all they can understand is that I can pick it up and put it in the basket and walk out with it. And I could do that right now. And they don't understand that some things take time, right? Some things take time. And so our society is set up now that everything is instant. Come on, I'm old enough to remember when you couldn't get on the internet, when you didn't have a cell phone, when if you wanted to learn something, you had to go to the library, and you had to check a book out. Or, anybody remember the Encyclopedia Britannica? Your UPS guy hated your guts when you got the encyclopedia, because he's just like, uh, would you order books? Yeah, we read the encyclopedia at my house. It, was, it took time. And, and we have everything in an instant now. And so if it's, not, if it's not popping up quickly, we get frustrated, right? We get frustrated, we get frustrated, we get frustrated. And we're trying to figure out why is this happening faster? Why is this happening faster? Why, 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 why is it taking so long? Why is it, well, well, I've, been, I've been sitting here for a half an hour. And, and we just get so impatient. And here's what I want to propose to you. If it seems like God is doing nothing, we oftentimes insert our own thing, Right? If it seems like God is doing nothing, then we oftentimes insert our own thing. And that's where we get in super huge trouble. Instead of being thankful that God is faithful, even when it seems like he's doing nothing, and thankfulness producing patience, we say, God, in the absence of you doing something, I'm going to insert something. And you see that all through scripture, right? You see it with, with Abraham and Sarah. God promises, hey, you're going to get a, I'm going I'm to give you, you're going to be the father of many nations. I'm going to give you a son. And Abraham and Sarah are like, ha, oh, that's funny. You know, we're kind of old. And I don't know, God, if you've paid attention, but that's not working anymore. And, and, and they're like, and Sarah's like, hey, you know what? In the absence of what it seems like God's doing anything, he's not doing anything. Let's insert our own thing. And, and you can be with my servant and we'll just make this happen. And if you read what, it, it was an absolute disaster, the results of that. But in the absence of God doing something, we become impatient, and so we insert our own thing. Moses is up on top of the mountain, and he's not coming back down, and the people are anxious, and they're ungrateful. And so they say, Aaron, we want you to figure something out for us. We don't know what's happened to Moses, but... In his absence, we're going to create our own thing. 
And so often in our lives, we have to understand that when it seems like God is doing nothing, he's actually orchestrating things for our benefit. Amen? What was Moses getting on the mountain? Moses was getting on the mountain what would then be the rules by which they would live the rest of their lives. And so when it seems like God is doing nothing, he's actually could be orchestrating everything on your behalf. Well, well, mom, I don't, I'm not getting a Nerf gun. I'm at work trying to make a living to get you a Nerf gun for Christmas. But because it doesn't seem like you're getting a Nerf gun now, you're ungrateful. You know, we give people all kinds of stuff, don't we? And then, and then, and then when it seems like they're not getting what they want, what did we say at the beginning? What have you done for me lately? And so, and so ungratefulness can cause us to be impatient towards God. And, and we say, God, what, what's taking you so long? Come on, I know you've prayed that. I've prayed that. God, you're doing nothing. God, you're not moving on my behalf. You're not. And then what happens? Six months later, everything comes together, and we're sitting there with egg on our face in front of God. And we're like, oh, well, I knew you had it. I knew you had it under control. I was just, you know... It wasn't a big anxiety that I threatened you, you know, but impatience should never be in us when it comes to the thing of God, right? Now, if you're sitting in front of Dunkin' Donuts and they've taken four minutes to give you your coffee out, absolutely. Just look at them and say, dude, I can't wait anymore. I'm coming to get it myself. But when it comes to God, isn't he ultimately faithful? Hasn't he proved himself over and over and over again? And the idea that we could get impatient with a God who the word says is never slow like you think slow should be, right? Because when we think he's doing nothing, he's actually being merciful, the Bible says. He's not slow like you think he's slow. He's actually merciful that he doesn't want anyone to perish. So could you imagine getting your way all the time? There'd be dead people all around me. Come on, just be honest, right? You're like the guy pulls out in front of you in traffic. You're like, Lord, poof, no more mercy. So one less car on the beltway. Everybody wins, right? So, so the, the ungratefulness that God is ultimately faithful, regardless of our circumstances, causes us to be impatient with our lives and with him. I'm not advancing fast enough. I'm not getting what I want fast enough. It's, it's a theme of our society, isn't it? So, so wouldn't it be amazing if the church showed up and was just patient? Patient with our spouses? No, no amens. They're like, I've, I've tried for 30 years and it's just... Patient with our kids? Patient with our employers? Patient with our employees, patient, patient, patient. Because, listen, because I'm thankful, I can be patient. Amen? Because I'm thankful that God is intimately involved in every situation and scenario in my life. Because I'm thankful that I'm that he is who he is and is in absolute sovereign control of everything that I have. Because I'm thankful that he's merciful, that I'm thankful that he's gracious, now I can be patient. 
Because even when it seems like he's not doing anything, even when it seems like the guy's up on the mountain not coming back down, I can have confidence that God is doing something even when it doesn't seem like it to me. And so you know what I'm going to be? Patient. Lord, I'm thankful to you, so I'm going to be patient right now. Come on, we need to wake up in the morning saying that stuff, right? Lord, I'm thankful for your grace in my life. Let me be patient with the people around me today because that same grace you've extended me, you've extended them. But the difference is he's extending it through you now, right? So he extended grace to you in the morning when you woke up. And then when you go to work, he wants to extend it through you. And so thank you for your grace and mercy in my life. You've been so patient with me. And Lord, now let me extend that grace because I'm thankful. Now I can be patient with everyone else. Some of you, if you showed up to work and you were patient, like everybody in your office would pass out. So there must must be something wrong. He's not yelling at me yet. Like I've been here five minutes and I'm not getting yelled at. Patience. Because I'm thankful, I can be patient. What happens next? They say, Aaron, we don't know what's happened to this guy, Moses. By the way, don't you love it when people flip on you really quick? You're like, you're the guy that led them out of Egypt. And now they're going, this guy, Moses, like they don't know him. Like, he's not doing what we want him to, so this guy, where he came from, I don't know. This guy, Moses, now, he's been gone too long, and we want you to make some gods for us. Aaron answered them, take off your gold earrings, what your wives, your son, and your daughters are wearing, and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron, and he took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. I want, I want you to understand this was a process. Now watch. The same, the same Moses and God that they couldn't be patient with before, now they can be patient for an idol. Did you see that? It says, he says, give me all the earrings that your wives and your kids are wearing, bring them to me, and I'm going to melt them down. First of all, just the collection of all that with with tons and tons of people. He collected all that, then he melted it down. Then he cast it into a calf. And then it says they fashioned it with a tool. That, was, that didn't happen like two hours after church. So oftentimes the same things we're impatient with God over, we're absolutely patient with an idol. Yeah, it's called instant replay in the NFL. It's called, how, why do you have to review every play? Oh, I'm going to just be patient. Right? I'm going to be patient. But after two minutes of praying, I can't be patient anymore. But, but I can be patient over here because I think I might get what I want. But over here with God, I'm not so sure about that. So I have to be impatient with him. So they fashion the calf and they make this peculiar statement. Watch this. They make this peculiar sta- statement. He said he took what they handed him, made it into a idol cast in the shape of a calf fashion with a tool. Then they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Who brought you? Now, something you may miss here if you're not careful is, where did they even get the gold? They were slaves in Egypt. Where did they get the gold earrings and rings? You know how they got them? Because God enabled them to plunder the Egyptians right before they left. So the blessing that God gave them when they were walking out of Egypt that he delivered them from, now they're, now they're melting down into a calf that they will idolize and say, 
Now this calf, this God brought us out, not the one who actually gave us the gold. And so ungratefulness will cause us to be forgetful as well, won't it? What have you done for me lately? Paul says that, doesn't he, in Romans? He says, listen, listen, when they fail to recognize who God is and give him thanks for what he has done, it will plunge us into sin. It will cause us to make idols for ourselves. And we're seeing a real-life example play out right in front of our eyes. And, and they're, they're like, okay, make a calf, and now we're going to give this thing credit for what only God has really done. So ungratefulness calls them to forget what God had already brought them through. What did we say? We said the Red Sea. We said plagues in Egypt and God's hand coming down the Egyptians and Moses bleeding them out. And then they get to the Red Sea. They walk across some dry land. Then God provides them food and water the whole trip. And now they're here and they're willing to say, he didn't do that. This guy did it. How often do we do that in our lives? We get where we are today. And, and instead of giving God credit, we go, you know what, man? I worked really hard to get here. We forget that God walked us through on dry ground. We forget that time where unless he had intervened, we wouldn't have made it. We forget all those things that he had done for us, and we substitute our own strength and our own will in that place. And because we're ungrateful to him, we become forgetful for what he has done. Isn't that true? We just, we just, it's so easy to forget that, that when I was a kid, he saved me and that changed my path. Or maybe your story is when I was 20, he saved me and he delivered me from drugs. Or maybe, maybe when I was 40, he saved me and it revolutionized my life. But then we get kind of comfortable in it and it seems like he's not doing what we want. And so then we choose something else to give the credit to and we forget what God has done. We forget that he actually redeemed us. So forgetful. Thank Ungratefulness will cause us to be forgetful for what God has actually done in our lives. So ungratefulness will cause us to be impatient. It'll cause us to be forgetful. But something good here, thankfulness will bring your memory back, won't it? Thankfulness will bring your memory back. You ever sat around and thought about your family, how thankful you were for them? You should try. That's a great exercise. Sit in the living room with your kids. Duct tape them down to the chair. Just say, no, we're going to spend the next 20 minutes talking about what we're thankful for. And here's the thing. When you start that exercise, you'll be able to come up with like four or five things in the immediate. And then what will you have to do? You'll have to start going backwards, won't you? And you'll have to start going, man, okay, you know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful for the house we live in. Oh, it's so cool. I'm thankful for the car we drive. Yeah. Thankful for that. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for food on the table. Yeah. And then what will happen is you'll start, it'll start to get a little difficult. And then you'll start going, you know what? I'm thankful that five years ago. And that's a great exercise. I'm thankful. I'm thankful that when you were really sick, God, God brought us through. I'm thankful that when we, when, when we lost our job, God brought us through. I'm thankful that, that way back when we were going through that struggle, God brought us through. And you know what's good? It's good for your kids to hear that. It's good for your kids to hear before their knowledge of God existed, he was doing things. 
before they realized what God was capable of. He was doing those things that we, we weren't capable of in our lives. And now we're sharing. Listen, gratefulness will cause us to get our memory back. And the ungratefulness of the Egyptian or of the Israelites caused them to make a God that could do nothing for them. It caused them to make a God. Listen, if all your hope is in the salary that you draw, you're going to forget what God has done. You're going to give all the credit to that and not to actually the one who enabled you to get the salary. And so because I'm thankful, I can remember. Amen. Because I'm thankful, I can remember what he has done. <laughs> I remember being, uh, I remember being a teenager. Not much of it, but I do remember some. And I can remember being ungrateful, forgetting what my parents had done for me. Have you ever done this to your kids? Because my parents would do it, like, in a heartbeat. And, and so uh, I've probably done it a couple times. But I can remember being upset about not getting something or not something not going my way. And my mom would start out like this. You were sick all the time before you were four years old. And I rocked you. And I fed you. And I cleaned your dirty butt. And I did all those things for you. And I'd be like, oh, mom, every mom does that. And then she'd say, and then when you were this old, I, I sat up at night. I sat up in the hospital with you before I was four. I was in the hospital a lot. I had pneumonia three times. And, and that's why I'm not 6'3", really. Um, but uh, so all these things. And she would remind me of the difficulty that it was raising, you know, like sitting up. You had a 105-degree fever. We had to take you to the emergency room, put you in an ice bath. And then because you were an idiot, you wrecked your car when you were 17, driving 80 miles an hour uh, down a curvy road, and we had to come there and help you out. And, and, and what she was doing was saying, your ungratefulness called you to forget what your father and I have done for you. Your ungratefulness calls you to forget that the reason you're alive today is because we drove your sorry butt to the hospital. Any parents ever done that? Oh, you should try it. You should try it. And you can just make stuff up because they were young. They don't remember. Like you got your arm cut off and your dad sewed it back on and you don't, you don't even have a scar. He was so good at it. Like you just. But you know what? God is so gracious to us. Come on, you've got to understand that God is so gracious to us. And, and he has gently done that to me in my life. The times when I become ungrateful and impatient and forgetful, he gently reminds me, Chris, I have been here the whole time. I've sustained you when you didn't think anything w- w- could, could help. I was the one there making sure it happened. And, and, and then when I come to that place where I realize, God, you've done this. I have no choice but to go, God, I'm thankful. I remember now what you've done. I remember what you've done. I'm so thankful for it. And I think every year around this time, we need to, we need to have a good memory, don't we? Thankfulness needs to bring our memory back of how good he has been and that I can trust him.
Amen? All right, watch this. Watch this. So because I'm thankful, I can be patient. Because I'm thankful, I can remember. Aaron does something weird here that I want us to look at. He gathers up all the gold from people, forms it into the shape of a calf. And he says, okay, they say, these are the gods that led you out of Egypt. And then he does this, which, which when I first read it, I thought, man, that is so strange. He does this. He says, he took what they handed him, made it into an idol, cast the shape of fashionable tool. And they said, these are your gods, right? And then he said, when Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced tomorrow there'll be a festival to the Lord. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a schizophrenic leader, doesn't it? I'm going to make you an idol, but then I'm going to make an altar in front of that idol. And tomorrow, first thing we'll do is we'll give, we'll burn offerings to God and then you can party. Oh, that's going to sound more familiar here in a second. So the next day, the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterward, they sat down to eat and drink, got up and indulged in revelry. Now, let me go back to Romans. It says, in verse 28, it says, Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so they gave them over to depraved minds. So, so Paul is back to saying, hey, listen, they didn't, they didn't recognize God or, or were thankful for him. And so now, this spiral of downward sin, this spiral, I'm not giving, I'm not going to recognize that God's been active in my life, that he's redeemed me, that he saved me. I'm not going to recognize that I'm not going to be thankful for what he did. And so this downward spiral that Paul's talking about, they become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They're gossip, slanders, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invert, invent ways of doing evil. He's describing people to sit around and go, hey, man, I found out a new way to be bad. Got a patent on it. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree, they know what God expects. That those who do such things deserve death. They only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. So he's painting this picture. And so watch this. Aaron does this thing where he says, okay, listen, um, we got this calf thing. <laughs> we made it, and that's what God brought us out. So awesome. But tomorrow, we're going we're gonna to give offerings to God first, and then, and then we'll do the other thing. And I started thinking about that. I started thinking, wow, you know what? Ungratefulness will cause us to justify sin, won't it? Think about this. Ungratefulness will cause us to justify sin. In this, in, in this light, watch this. God, because you didn't do anything, I had to do this. Right? So, it, so ungratefulness will cause impatience. It'll cause forgetfulness. You know what the best analogy of this is? Like, I, I remember, I remember it, um, you know, your, your late teens, maybe you're a guy in high school or in college. And our society has totally engaged in this full on. God, because you're not moving in my relationship life 
like I want, then I'll substitute it with something else and justify it because you're not bringing me a good Christian girl yet. Come on. It's getting a little bit serious. Because I know what your decree says. That's what Paul said. You know, you know what the deal is. But because God, I know that, I know that I'm supposed to be with a good Christian man. I know that, I know that that's supposed to be important. I know it is. But because you're not moving fast enough for me, because you're not doing it the way I want to, I'm just going to insert something on my own. But here's what we do nowadays. We still make the altar. Don't we? Come on, church, you're being quiet. This is where you got to say, amen. And that's the person beside me, not me, right? But we still make the altar because we think coming to church will cover that. Paul says, listen, listen, they know what God requires, but because they didn't recognize him for who he is or give him thanks for what he's done, this downward spiral happened and they just kept going down and down and down to the point where they were proving of everybody doing this. So the caution for the church is if ungratefulness will cause us to be impatient and forgetful, it will also cause us to justify sin. And then we can almost get into a spot where we're okaying it in everyone's life. And so what Aaron was doing was he said, I'm going to cover my basis. We're over here. We've already made the God. We've already done the deed. We've already set it up as the one who's delivered us. But just in case Moses comes down the mountain before we get out of here, I'm going to put the altar up. I'm ungrateful that God is actually moving on our behalf, maybe in a way that I can't see, but yet he's still moving. So I'll make the calf, but just in case I'll build the altar. And so what we do as modern day Christians is we say, God, you're not moving fast enough. I'm impatient. God, I can't remember what you, the last time you, what have you done for me lately? I can't remember that. I'm still ungrateful. And so I'm going to insert my own way and I'm going to do my own thing over here. But I'll show up on church on Sunday morning just to keep it covered in case, case you were to come. And we justify the idol because we built the altar. And Aaron's playing games with people. Aaron's, Aaron's got him. Aaron's, this is the most confused spirituality you can get. I'm going to create the idol, but I'm going to build the altar. Create the idol, build the altar. Create the idol, build the altar. Create the idol. This is what I want. I want to move forward. This is the way, this is my will, my thing. I want to go forward. But just in case, I'll burn it over here in case God happens to be watching. In case somebody happens to ask, I went to church on Sunday. Yeah, man. Church has got a great worship team. You go to church? Absolutely. Hedges Real Church. Huh. Wouldn't miss it. I wouldn't miss it because my idol is over here on Monday through Saturday, and I've got to make sure the altar burns on Sunday so I can feel okay about the idol on Monday. Right? Oh, you're being quiet. You're being quiet. You're being quiet ungratefulness. How about this? God, I don't understand what's going on here. I don't understand it, but I know your ways are pure. I know your ways are just. I know your ways are right. I know that if I live by your decree, by the way you set it up, that it's the most perfect thing that could happen in my life. And I will be patient because I'm thankful for it. I'll never forget because I'm thankful for it. And I refuse to justify sin. Because I'm thankful for the cross. Amen? Amen? We forget 
that one blood shed from Jesus Christ paid for your sin. We forget that. And Paul makes the case, should we go on sinning that grace may increase? He says, don't do that. Don't forget that he paid for it. And in light of him and you being thankful that he paid for it means you're going to abstain from sin, not cover it up with the blood. Not just keep doing it so the blood will come. Not do the, not do the idol and the altar, but, but do the altar because you're thankful that he delivered you from the idol. But man, we get it confused just like they did. So we're ungrateful. Like, I, I, look, I, I remember being, I remember being, uh, Beth and I got married when I was 20 because Lord, I'm gonna burn. With passion. You better find me a wife. We were talking to somebody the other day, and they were like, uh, they were like, uh, you got married when you're 20. In, in Africa, you don't get married till you're like 28 or 30. And the guy said, yeah, you got to wait till you can afford a house. I was like, brother, I wasn't thinking about a house. I don't know what you guys think about, but I wasn't thinking about a house. Like, I was like, we can live anywhere. We can live in the car. He's like, well, you got to responsible and buy a house. So we wait till we're 30. I'm like, well, good for you. My kids are going to be out of the house when I'm 45. You're going to be 80. <laughs> I had a plan from the very beginning. So watch this. But I can remember thinking, oh, let's, let's take a poll and see who agrees with this. I remember thinking, anybody, I remember thinking, God, please don't send Jesus before I get married. Because, Lord, you know there's a whole lot of things I want to experience in life. Did you pray that when you were young? I grew up in a Pentecostal church. You thought God was coming back every second of the day, right? Every, I'd call, I'd call my mom when I got home. My dad wouldn't be there. I'd call my mom at work, no answer. Call my grandparents to live right beside me, no answer. Me and my brother would be down on the floor. We missed it. We missed it. We missed it. And so you were always thinking, like, God, just grace and mercy, patience. The, the, I know you want to win more people, and I want to get married. But there were moments in my life where, where I was ungrateful that he was seemingly slow. And so I would go do my own thing, but I would come to church for the, just in case, for the altar. I built my idol of the way I thought my life should work. And then on Sunday, I'd kneel down beside the pastor's kids, and we'd fake pray. And then we'd look up at each other like, I think it looks okay. We can get up. I think it looks all right. I raised my hands in worship, and then I got down at the altar, and we'd wink at each other, like, all right, it's been three minutes and 30 seconds. They believe we're sincere now, so we can get up. And that's what I did through my teenage years. So you can build the idol, and you can justify it with the altar, and ungratefulness will allow you to do both. But when you're really Grateful that the blood of Jesus covers your sin. That his shed blood, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have ever life. When the gratefulness of the grace of God impacts your life, you've got to get rid of the idol. 
It can't, there's no room for it anymore. My life is so full of gratefulness for the blood of Jesus that I can't afford the, the, the idol anymore. I gotta say, Lord, I'll burn it down and give it to you because, because of what you've done, I, I, I'm gonna abstain from, I'm so grateful for what you've done, I'm gonna abstain from sin now. I'm gonna flee the very presence of evil, right? Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. I'm gonna do those things because I'm grateful for the cross. Can I just say, we talked about this a couple weeks, gratefulness and not an emotion, and just get over it. I don't feel grateful today. Yeah, but you feel like building an idol. I don't feel grateful today. You know, wake up and make yourself grateful. Amen? Amen? Wake up. You know, there's some practical things you can do. Wake up every morning. Uh, We just got this five-year journal. I looked at my son. I said, hey, we're going to do this as a family, five-year journal. Like all the life drained out of him. He's like, you want me to write something down every day for five years? I'm like, Carter, you could write, I got up and brushed my teeth, and I thank God that my teeth were still in my head. That's how easy it is. It's only about this much space. Come on, buddy. Let's tough it out for the Jesus. So so five years. We we, we got these books as a family, and, and so for five years, write down. Just make yourself get up and write something thankful down. I'm thankful that there's forgiveness. I'm thankful that he didn't hold my sins against me. I'm thankful that I don't have to cover it up. I'm thankful for what he's done. I'm thankful that when it didn't seem like he was moving, he actually was. And because I'm thankful. Amen? Because I'm thankful. And the thing about it is, God wants to be closer to you than you'll let him be. He wants to be so close to us. And he's given us the keys for that intimacy. And I'm going to tell you something. It does work a lot like marriage because, guys, listen, if you wake up enough mornings and you're not thankful. Come on, are you listening to me? I've been married long enough to give advice now. If you wake up enough mornings and you're not thankful, forget about the evening. Forget about the intimacy. Forget about it. And it works the same way with God. If we wake up enough mornings with our demands in spite of what he's already done, if we wake up enough mornings and and just skip over thankful, Lord, what have you done for me lately? Forget about the feeling of God being close. There's an amazing thing that happens. I was in a crammed up truck in Africa and um, we were driving. It was like a third, four hour trip. And I was praying, God, you got to deliver me out of this truck. I'm five foot 11 and my knees are up in my chest and I don't even know how a car can get this small. But we're driving to the next place we're going to do ministry. And, and um, I, I just put my headphones in because I was tired of hearing everybody else. I was not thankful at the moment. So I put my headphones in. We're driving. I put some worship music going. And I had my own little time with God there. But what started out first was me saying, God, thank you for this opportunity. Lord, my my legs hurt. My knees hurt. But I'm thankful that there's a car to take me where I need to go. Lord, this guy sitting over here won't shut up, but I'm thankful that he's traveled halfway around the world to preach your gospel. 
Lord, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for you giving me this opportunity. I'm thankful that you put something in me that you wanted to deposit here in this place. I'm thankful, Lord. And you know what? After about five minutes, I put my sunglasses on because I'm a tough guy. I put, uh, about five minutes, tears started running down my face. I kind of went like this over to the glass because I didn't want to be honest to see it. And, I'm th- and, the, and God came down in that truck. I don't know if anybody else experienced it. It wasn't even for them, maybe. It was just for me. But the gateway in was Thanksgiving. Come on, that's scripture, right? Enter his courts with what? Because I'm thankful, I can be patient. Because I'm thankful, I can remember. And because I'm thankful, I can avoid sin. Because of what he's done. Amen? Come on, why don't you stand this morning? The band's going to come up. God is so good. Enter his courts, thanksgiving. Get into the inside of where God is. Thankfulness is your ticket in. And we have this month to celebrate it. The thankfulness of what God has done for us. And I believe as a church, it can, it can push us on to great things. Amen? Can I say one last thing? We're going to vote on Tuesday. Amen? You're like, I already voted twice. You're going to vote on Tuesday. And we haven't said a lot about that. Uh, people asked me what I think, and I said, I'm, I'm the pastor of Democrats and Republicans. And God runs both of them. Right? At the, in the, at the end of the day, my God's sovereign. And the church can go forward in prosperity, and it can also go forward without it. I'm thankful. Come on. I'm thankful that I get a choice. I'm thankful that I get to vote. I'm thankful that it matters. I'm thankful that God is in control either way it goes. I'm thankful that no matter what happens, the promise to God is that he will be with me and that he will work through me. Amen? The promise from God is that he will do whatever I need. He, He will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory regardless of who is in political office. Amen? So so for those of you that have massive amounts of anxiety, you've been checking your phone every 30 seconds, waiting on the next scandal to come out, guess what? Take the next three days and start waking up in the morning and say, God, I'm thankful regardless of what happens. I'm thankful that no matter what the political system looks like, your gospel will go forward and you will take care of me. Amen? And you know what you can do? You're just like... And your family dinners can be a lot nicer. You're like, don't invite Cousin Eddie over here because he's a Republican. No. When Cousin Eddie comes over, just say, you know what, Ed? Thankful. Thankful that God is going to do what God's going to do in spite of all this mess. Amen? Can we be that way this week? Can we be that way this month? Can that be part of who we are? Is a church thankfulness for what he has done, who he is, what he is doing? on our behalf. Amen. Come on. Let's close our eyes. Father, I thank you. God, I've been putting this this temperament in my heart to just recognize all that you've done, your goodness in my life. 
I got no complaints. I thank you for it. Lord, I pray that it would be the mentality of all of us, God. Thankfulness, Lord. Thankfulness would well up within us for who you are and what you've done. It would cause us to live a holy life dedicated to you, Lord. And I pray this morning that if there's one person here who hasn't even started a relationship with you, Lord, they'd make that decision today. They'd realize that you have been with them the whole time, that even while they were sinners, you were thinking about them. While they were far from you, you were thinking about them. And I pray that you speak to their hearts right now and they'd make, they'd make that decision to accept you as their Lord. They'd, they'd make that decision for you to forgive them of their sin. They'd make that decision to follow after you to be thankful that there's a God in heaven who has done above and beyond to redeem them. And I pray that they call out to you for salvation and they'd inherit eternal life this morning. They'd start it this morning. I pray that they'd be people making that decision all across this building today, making it right. I thank you for the opportunity that we have to do that, Lord. And I pray, I pray that you'd encourage them while they are. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you, God. And I pray this morning, Lord, I pray this morning that our thankfulness, our gratitude towards you would impact the people around us this week. And I pray that you change lives, Lord. Work through our thankfulness this week. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Come on, church. Could you give him honor and glory this morning? Could you let him know you're thankful? Could you let him know you're thankful? Come on.